Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the letter to the church of the Hebrew church, chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. Indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides the soul from the spirit, joints from the marrow, is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Before him, no creature is hidden, but all are naked and laid bare to the eyes of the one whom we must render an account. Since, and then, we have this great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize But we have one who is in every respect been tested as we are and yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, as we gather here to worship and praise you today, we have laid our petitions at your feet, we have sung your praises, we have pondered your grace in our hearts. So now as we hear your word read and proclaimed, may you speak directly to us, directly to us in ways that we cannot mistake it so that as we clearly hear who you would have us be, we would go forth from this place as you would have us be, not merely hearers of your word, but oh yes, Lord, as doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. So there's this phenomenon that happens on the calendar shortly after Labor Day Monday, Every empty storefront in a suburban strip mall is taken over by this company called Halloween Express. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, all of a sudden, Labor Day comes and goes, and next week you know it's the signs are up. Halloween is big business. I don't remember when that transformation happened. I can remember, you know, as a kid having Halloween costumes made by my mom or, you know, later as a teenager going out for Halloween to trick or treat long past when we should have, you know, taking an old bed sheet and cutting some holes in it and, you know, thinking that we were ghosts, but really we were just going out for free candy. But nowadays it's a big business. Not only do the kids, homemade Halloween costumes are gone for the most part. You can buy what you're looking for. There's all sorts of stage makeup so that you can be just like your favorite character on whatever you want to watch on Netflix or whatever. I mean, even one of my coworkers brought me a rubber chicken mask just so I could have fun with it. And we tell you, there's nothing more fun than, you know, pulling up to a stoplight in the shotgun seat, mind you, 
putting a chicken mask on and sitting up and watching the reactions of the people next to you who've just figured out that there is a six foot five chicken in the car next to them. Masks. Kids love them, we love them. That's become the business with Halloween. And then there are these masks. The ones that we wear to protect ourselves and each other. And then there are the other masks we wear. You know the ones I'm talking about. The ones that we put on to convince ourselves and the rest of the world that we are not who we really are. The ones that we put on to fool others. The way we act. Oh, everything is just fine. It's doing great. Meanwhile, our life is maybe the proverbial dumpster fire. Or maybe what we project out on social media, all of our posts, you know, everything is great. We look like we've got it all together and our homes are perfectly decorated and there's no mess. There's nothing hidden under the bed. There's not even a junk drawer in the house because we have subscribed to the Pottery Barn way of decorating. And if those masks aren't enough, maybe we even wear a mask where we think we just might be able to fool God into believing we truly are the people God wants us to be not on that road to perfection, that we're already there. See, the reality, the mask that we wear, whether it's a Halloween costume or some other costume, or whether it's the mask that we wear to protect others, or the mask that we wear to protect our image from what others think of us or from the reality. The reality is those masks don't change anything about us, do they? We're still who we are under the mask. Think about it. We've gotten really good the last 20 months figuring out who everybody is from the nose up reading it. How much more fun is it going to be when we can finally see each other face to face again? But it doesn't change who we are because of that mask, right? The reality is, no matter what mask we wear, our true nature is always right here. See, the author of the book of Hebrews is writing to the early church, writing to them because they were beginning to lose faith. We talked about this a little bit last week. They were beginning to lose faith. They were expecting the second coming of Jesus any day, and it was not happening. So they were beginning to wane in their faith, their practice of faith. And so he's writing them to tell them how to address this tension between being the people God wants us to be and who we were living and li dealing with every day in the real world. The tension between the masks that we want to wear and the confession of our true nature and oh, by the way, how grace enters in. See, in verse 12, it talks about how God's word surgically cuts through all the masks, all the walls, all the barriers, all the things that we have put up in life to hide our identity, and it exposes us straight away for who we are. I love the fact that it says that we are laid bare before the Lord. God's word surgically cuts through all the clutter and says, this is who we are. But then verse 14 through 16 says, despite our sinful nature, despite all of that, that there is this hope, despite the fact that we are exposed for who we are, 
where our discipleship is not quite where we want it to be, that there is hope, that there is grace for us because it comes in the form of Christ, our great high priest. And it's these two points, scripture that surgically cuts through everything and we have a high priest, they become bearing points where we can figure out where we are on our journey of faith where we are on building our relationship with God, the closeness that we have to the one who loves us most. They become those bearing points to help us toss the masks that we wear behind us and be real, authentic followers of Christ. You know, the first reading of these texts, if you just read verses 12 and 13, it's very disconcerting. It's very threatening. I mean, we use masks to hide our faults and our foibles and our failures, right? It's a story as old as time. And so we read in these first couple of verses that they cut straight through all that clutter, all that smoke, all that distraction that we try to do. And it says, oh, no, no, this is where you are. It's threatening to us. This goes all the way back to creation. Think about Adam and Eve and when they were created and God said it was good. They had one job, Right. They could do anything in the garden they wanted. They could have all the fun they wanted. They could make a mess of whatever they wanted to, but there was only one thing they couldn't do. You know what it was? God said, I've got all the fruit trees you could ever imagine. Leave the apple tree alone. Just leave that tree alone. Well, you know what happens if you tell your kids you can do anything you want but one thing. You know what they're going to do, right? They're tempted. Adam and Eve were tempted and they finally gave in to that temptation and all of a sudden when they realized that they had screwed up, what did they do? They knitted them some clothes out of leaves and whatever else and they went to go hide. So God goes strolling through the garden at the end of the day looking for Adam and Eve because he just wants to talk to them and see how their day was because God loves them that much to want to spend time with them and he can't find them. He calls their names and he kind of gets close to where they are and they realize that they're caught. And they said, uh, we're over here. He goes, what are you doing? They go, we're hiding. We didn't want to, you to see us naked. That word shows up again, right? We didn't want you to see us naked. And God says, who told you you were naked? And they hung their heads and their disobedience was exposed. When Mary and I first got married, uh, I had a dog, Snoopy. He was a Bassador or a Bassalab, however you want to think of it. Just think Basset Lab, mix it together, best dog ever. She had given me this dog two years, when we were, two years before we were dating, and he was my buddy, and we went pretty much everywhere but class and church together. I kid you not. So this dog was my dog. We were pals. So Mary and I get married and she moves into the house and all of a sudden there's competition for my affection. Well, you know how this goes over, right? One night, Mary and I go out on a date. She'd come home from work. She'd changed clothes. We went out. We came back. Her favorite skirt, which she had laid on the edge of the bed, the no-leg lab had figured out how to get it off of the bed had drug it to the other part of the house, had chewed a hole, and by a hole, I mean a hole in said skirt. We walked into the house, the dog did not meet us, should have told us right there something was up. A few steps in, I went one way to do something and I heard Snoopy. And I thought, uh-oh, this can't be good. 
And sure enough, in the middle of the den was the skirt with the hole. No dog to be seen. Hiding somewhere back in the house. And we finally went looking for him. And sure enough, slinked out from under the bed. Basset ears seven times longer. Big droopy eyes. Head hung down. Tail tucked. Busted. Or think about children. Tell children things like not to draw on the wall. And sure enough, they're going to figure it out. And Lord have mercy, if you ever let them around makeup, a.k.a. lipstick, Sharpie markers, magic markers, or crayons, you know where it's going to end up. Picasso, three feet, six inches above the floor, is going to put a masterpiece right there for you to see it. And then when they realize they probably shouldn't have done it, they are going to hide. See, this is what happens. We don't want our mistakes exposed for the world. So we hide from it. That's why we wear the mask. And so the text says that the word of God cuts right through that to the heart of the matter. It exposes our sins, those things which separate us from God, those things which break the community of humanity, those things which hurt others, those things where we put ourselves and our being above what God wants for us. We put ourselves and our interests above those of others. See, the word of God cuts into that. It exposes the brokenness of our hearts, the brokenness of our lives. Whether we want it to or not, the word of God living and active in life around us begins to help us remove the mask and exposes that brokenness that we live into. It exposes where we proclaim one thing with our mouths but do something else with our hands. Or exposes where our commitments really lie. Think about the conversation that Jesus had with the rich young ruler. He said, Lord, I've done all the things you've asked me to do. What else do I need to do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? You know what he says, right? The Lord says to him, well, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. It's a test. And the man can't do it. And he hangs his head and he walks away because guess what? Jesus pulled the mask off and exposed where his real loyalties lie. If you want to try that experiment in your life, look at your own household budget. Think about what you think. Make a list of what you think your priorities are, what's most important to you, and then look at your budget and see where your money goes. It can be convicting. See, the scriptures expose those times where we won't stand up for others for fear that we will become attacked or for fear that the light will now shine on us. It's sort of the middle school principle. You know, middle schoolers, they suffer with this, and we all, to some degree, have never moved beyond middle school. I mean, the rule in middle school is this, don't be different. That's why if someone figures out that all the middle school boys should wear shorts in the middle of the winter with a sweatshirt, they will all wear them because no one wants to be the one kid wearing pants. A little bit of hyperbole there, yes, but a lot of reality. We don't want the light shining on us where we're different. Because when that happens, the masks are off and the reality is there. We can't hide it anymore. And so just like that, just like with Adam and Eve, just like with a bad dog, just like with a naughty child, when we read into the, me- in the message and into the God's word, Our lives are exposed, our shortcomings are exposed, and we are convicted. 
We are guilty as charged. We realize that, we're talking about this idea last week that of going on to perfection and being in right relationship with God. We realize where God wants us to be and where we are. That's why verses 14 through 16 are so important. Because Jesus never left us right where we are. Instead, the author of Hebrews says, that's why, folks, that's why, friends, at the very moment, ta-da, grace enters in. In that very moment, we have this great high priest who knows our life. He knows what we lived with. I mean, fully human. He knows, Jesus knows what it's like to be human. He knows our frailties, our fears. And so the text says, so with our confession in hand, with our faith in the one who loves us, with our realization that we are not perfect and that we wear masks, we can toss those behind us, we can drop them, and we can approach the throne of God's glory with boldness. I love that text. That we can approach it with boldness, with the assurance that we will receive grace and forgiveness for who we are, where we are at this moment. You know, last week we celebrated communion here, and one of my favorite parts of the communion liturgy is that prayer of confession. Here's what we say. We say, merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. That prayer alone is us ripping the mask off and saying, Lord, here's who we are exposed for all the world to see. But it gets better yet. Because whoever the celebrant is says, hear the good news. Oh, and that's the news we need to hear Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. I mean, if we ever doubted it, right there, those three lines. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. And then here's the kicker. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. But it doesn't stop there. Because then we as the congregation say back to the celebrant, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. See, in that moment, we are in this together. Whether we're clergy or laity, it doesn't matter because what we realize is that we are human. Take the mask off, we're human, we're not perfect. We do break the rules, we do fall down, we do stumble, but Christ is there. Thank the Lord to pick us up and carry us. So because of that, we can approach the throne with boldness to say that we want to do better, we want to be better people. We can approach the throne to seek the strength so that we can be those people. So that we can have the energy to complete that journey of faith. So we know if we're here and we want to be here, how we can get there step by step. That we can go through life with a little bit of humility, recognizing that not a one of us in this room, not a one of us in worship today, in this room or online worshiping together, none of us are perfect. But we can be on the road to perfection. The road to right relationship with the one who loves us. And that means that we need to own our faults, that we need to own our mistakes. 
We need to own what we've done. If you look at the person on the left of you, right of you, sometime this week, you have probably done something to screw up. It's okay. We all do it. It's what we do afterwards that matters. Have we acknowledged it? If you snapped at someone at work, did you go back to them and apologize and say, you know, I wasn't having my best day. I wasn't my best person. I took that a little too seriously. And I behaved poorly. I'm sorry. You want to watch a change in your office environment? Do that. And work like nobody's business to do better. Admitting our faults and apologizing makes the world a better place. If you want to be a better person, that person that God really wants you to be, the person not behind the mask, figure out what are those steps that we need to take and begin taking small steps. Just like anything else we do in life, making it a regular daily habit until it just becomes what we do one step at a time, one day at a time is so important. But just like we approach the throne with grace, the throne of grace, seeking grace for ourselves, what if we had grace for each other? What if we became the people that we really wanted to be and how people treated us? Think about it. Think about as you were rising up through the ranks of wherever you are in life, who were the people that looked after you? Who was the great manager that you had? Be that manager. If you didn't have a great manager and you wish you had a manager that was doing X, Y, and Z, then be that manager. Be the manager you wish you had had. Be the teacher you wish you had had. Be the parent you wish you had had. Be the sibling, the friend. See, God's grace allows us to be better than who we are right now. It allows us to tear the mask off and say, I'm not going to put it on anymore. This is who I am. And I want to be better. And this, my brothers and sisters, this is going to help me get there. This being together is going to help me be there. This being in worship is going to help me be there. Because I have a God in heaven who loves me in spite of me. So we go through life. Sometimes there are masks that we should wear. Masks to protect ourselves and to protect each other. Masks to keep us safe. But we wear masks that we try to hide or disguise who we are. God sees right through them. So let's just tear those masks off. And let's toss them out because God wants to see the real you, the real me, imperfections and all. Let us confess our shortcomings and say, Lord, help me be better. But in knowing that, know that we are loved no matter what. That Christ knows our humanity, knows our human life. That Christ forgives us and Christ gives us grace. And so if Christ does that, then Christ gives us the strength to face life each and every day without a mask on at all, without something to hide behind to disguise who we are. Let's just be the people God wants us to be on that road, on that journey of faith, every step of the way. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.
Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.